Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 19 called Our God is a Consuming Fire. We're in Exodus 19. We're going to do a part two on our God is a consuming fire. And as you turn to Exodus 19, I want to share just a a few of the end verses from Hebrews 12, which we touched on last week. And it's talking about two mountains. I'll mention that in a moment, but here's what it says. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us, the church, show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Hebrews 12.29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Now you might be asking the question, why would a pastor ever choose a title? Our God is a consuming fire. I I actually took it right from the scriptures. uh, And the book of Hebrews chapter 12 is commentary on Exodus 19. And you're going to see it's one of the most powerful passages in all the Bible about the coming of the Lord on Mount Sinai. The writer of Hebrews picks up that theme and compares uh, or really gives the option of two different mountains where you can meet God. You can meet God on Mount Sinai, which is the mountain of law, and that's where God gives the law. Other passages say he gives it among the myriads of angels. He comes down in mighty power and fire and lightning and all divine electricity, you could say. And the people's response is one of fear. The people actually say at one point, you go talk to him and tell us what he said. We don't, we don't want to get near him. They heed the warnings. There's a second mountain in Hebrews chapter 12 that's talked about. It's called Mount Zion. And it's the mountain of mercy or the mountain of grace. It points to the cross of Jesus Christ where some of that same divine theophany visitation uh, stuff happens like uh, darkness and earthquake and so forth. We'll talk about that at the end of this message. And so essentially the writer says you have, two, you have t- basically two options. Meet God at Sinai or meet God at Zion. Meet him at the mountain of law or meet him at the mountain of mercy. Which would you prefer? Well, I think if we were to poll the congregation, we'd all say, mercy, 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 right? I'll take all the mercy I can get. And that's the smart move. And the way that you end up at Mount Zion is you come through the greater mediator. Moses is a picture of him. But the greater Moses is Jesus. And he brings us into a new covenant And that's how we are right with God. And so we don't have to meet God in his wrath, if you will. Rather, we meet him in his mercy as expressed through our Lord Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer. Father, as we look at this awesome, uh, incredible scene of Mount Sinai, last week we talked about a possible location for the mountain. Um, Lord, it it is uh, an amazing uh, demonstration of who you are. And And I pray that it will give us a new appreciation of When we say God, who we're talking about, and this is the God who made incredible sea creatures, who uh, made the, the dry land and the oceans, the stars, every star you call by name. You are holy and majestic. Not only did you make the world, but you sustain the world by the word of your power. 
And it is amazing that you would condescend to people like us, stoop down to enter into world history in the person of Christ to show us who God is. Jesus, you said to the apostles, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And that is an amazing, beautiful, blessed gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would find a new appreciation for your holiness today. We are going to tie some of this to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, where you you will come in holiness and in fire and power. And we just want to be on the right side, Lord, when it's all said and done. We want to know you. We want to know you and the power of your resurrection. And, and even, Paul will say, the fellowship of your sufferings. We want to be conformed more into your image. So let that be what the result is today. We lay this time at your feet. Pray that you'd be pleased with how we divide the text, but also how we respond to it. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, would you say? Amen. Amen. Our God is the consuming fire, part two, Exodus 19, verse nine. The Lord said to Moses, behold, I shall come to you in a thick cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. If you have an NIV, it says, we'll always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Now Moses is going back and forth as the mediator, bringing God's word to the people and then then the word of the people back to the Lord. And you'll notice that the Lord says in verse 9, Exodus 19, I shall come to you. I am coming. And we serve a God who is willing to stoop down and enter into time and space. And I have to tell you that this occasion that happened did happen in our history. Moses was a real man. Sinai was a real place. And God really came down. And the record of that divine visitation, often called a theophany, by scholars occurred. And God was making a clear statement that he would stoop down to the people and he would come down in this uh, incredible manifestation. Jesus said it this way. He said, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has crossed over from death to life. Jesus, who is God, who came down to us, says these words. The people said, what, what, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom God has sent. So I want you to see in the middle of verse nine that you might say, well, what does God expect when he comes down on Sinai? What is he looking for from the people? Well, he wants them to believe and here specifically to believe in Moses, the mediator. They had had a lot of doubts about Moses. They were questioning Moses. They wanted to stone him at one point. And Moses is certainly just a man, but Moses becomes a picture of a greater mediator that is coming. A prophet, Moses would say, just like me, God will send a prophet like me, him you will listen to. So I want you to see that ultimately this is going to be fulfilled in the greater Moses that is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just an FYI, as you turn to Isaiah 57 with me, this Wednesday night we're going to look at the deity of Jesus Christ from the end of 1 John. So if you're interested, if, you, if you're wondering what does the Bible say about the deity of Christ, uh, that's this Wednesday night. We're in Isaiah 57. Often what happened is when the nation of Israel went on in their history, they would get away from God and there would be spiritual dryness and just, you know, a lot of difficulty. And they would be wondering, why isn't God moving the way that he used to? Why isn't God coming down like the way he came down on Mount Zion? You know, I think all of us could say, 
going to church is wonderful. We want to fellowship with other believers, but, but I want to see the Lord move in our generation. I want to see the Lord come down, if you will, amen, and visit us in the sense of revival. And so this is the backdrop. I, uh, Isaiah's writing to a, a, a nation that is, has been judged and is about to be judged by God again through foreign armies, and God would use all kinds of different things. And here's what it says. Isaiah 57, uh, part B of verse 13 says, But he who takes refuge in me shall inherit the land and shall possess my holy mountain. And it shall be said, Isaiah 57, 14, build up, build up, prepare the way. This is uh, the imagery of a king coming, just like we see on Sinai when God comes down. Remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. For thus, thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. We might ask, who does God condescend to meet with? Who does he reveal himself to? I dwell on a high and holy place and also, notice, with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. If you want to know who the Lord is, it always starts with humility. Humility is always the doorway to come to know God. God will resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And Sinai is going to be a time of humbling for the people because they've been questioning God and questioning Moses. So I want you to turn over to Isaiah 63, and God is going to show them who it is that they are to worship. And as the writer Isaiah reflects on the history of his nation, he begins to go back to things that happened through Moses and Mount Sinai and the wilderness wanderings. Isaiah 63, 9 says, In all their affliction, God was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them and carried them all the days of old. But they, that is the nation of Israel, rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy and he fought against them. Then his people remembered the days of old, of Moses, where, where they said, where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit in the midst of them, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths like the horse in the wilderness, they did not stumble as the cattle which go down into the valley. The spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So didst thou lead thy people to make for thyself a glorious name. And then he says, look down from heaven. I want to see this again, Lord. See from thy holy and glorious habitation, where are thy zeal and thy mighty deeds? The stirrings of thy heart and thy compassion are restrained toward me. Lord, where is your compassion upon your people? Then picking it up at 6319 of Isaiah, he says, we have become like those over whom thou hast never ruled like those who are not called by thy name. I want to make a comment about America. As, as we know that no nation is perfect, America had its flaws at the beginning, but the founding fathers of America said that the government that they set up, a constitutional republic, could only work for a people that were governed under the authority of the Holy Bible. This is what they said, and people will mock it today, but this is actually the foundations of the country in which you and I live. We were given a constitution. It is an amazing document, 
But the founders said, and most of them were trained for the ministry. There were some of them that were not as spiritual or not as committed as others. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called In His Image, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World with guest speaker Scott Klusendorf from the Life Training Institute. You know, sometimes we as pastors think, oh boy, I don't want to get distracted. I want to stay tethered to the Great Commission. And I agree, we should be about the Great Commission. But the question is, what does the Great Commission teach? The Great Commission teaches that we are to disciple believers. What does that mean? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, we're to teach them to obey all that Christ commands. What is one of those commands in Scripture? We're not to shed innocent blood. Exodus 23, 7 teaches that. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 teaches that. Matthew 5, 21 references that. So when we speak about abortion, which is the shedding of innocent blood, we're not distracting people from the Great Commission. We're helping them align with it. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk In Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. That's Walk In Truth's A Step Closer on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Under the authority of the Holy Bible. This is what they said, and people will mock it today, but this is actually the foundations of the country in which you and I live. We were given a constitution. It is an amazing document. But the founders said, and most of them were trained for the ministry, there were some of them that were not as spiritual or not as committed as others. But basically what they said is this, that this government cannot work unless it is a moral people that is sitting under it because it is basically a self-governed land. It's representative government. We choose our leaders, etc. And I look at America today and I wonder how far have we gone away from a biblical worldview where now such ridiculous things are coming down the pike that they're affecting nearly every area of our lives. And they're all based on worldview. You need to know that. You need to know that your view of the world, your view of where things are going, how it all began, where it's going, what morals you are to live by, whether there are moral absolutes, objective truth, etc., has a huge impact on a culture. And right now, America is reeling because we have lost our way. It's as if the, it's as if God never governed us. It's as if we, we are changing even our history to, to mock some of the people that were strategic in the founding of this nation. And if you want to see something on Christopher Columbus that's actually accurate to his history, watch David Barton's treatment on it. You just search David Barton and Christopher Columbus and t- he'll tell you the real story about Columbus and how he was guided by God. And yet, all these people were people of their time, and they were all imperfect. But what is missing today is an accurate retelling of American history as well. And the, the, the prophet here, Isaiah, is saying, we're, we're living as if we never knew you, God, and we're getting judged as if we never knew you. And you can think about that for a second and just think about the last 18 months around the world. 
And so you might say, well, what is the remedy? Well, here's the prayer of Isaiah. He says, 64.1, oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down. I want to see Sinai again. That the mountains might quake at your presence as fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst awesome things which we did not expect, thou didst come down, the mountains quaked, here's Sinai imagery, at thy presence, for from old they have not heard nor perceived by ear, neither, neither has the eye seen a God besides thee who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. And I was thinking of that beautiful song, um, and it talks about we, we will wait for you. We're waiting for you with our hands lifted high in praise. It's you we adore, singing hallelujah. We are waiting here for you. We're going to sing that at the end of our service. Look, this is what we need. We need a divine visitation in revival. Amen? We need the Spirit of God to move among the people of God so that we won't say like Isaiah, it's as if we were never governed by you. Like nobody knew that the Holy Bible was the textbook in our public schools for a long time. What has happened to the nation? And those who are watching trends are saying that what's happened to Europe is going to happen to America unless we have a revival, brethren. This is just the facts. This is what's going on. Nehemiah put it this way. He's praying, and if you turn back to Exodus 19, Nehemiah, there's a great revival, and the people stand before the word of God, and they hear it, and they, they want to hear the book. They say, bring out the book. And Nehemiah in chapter 9 prays, and he says, then you did come down on Mount Sion, or Mount Sinai. This is Nehemiah 9.9. And did speak with them, Israel, from heaven. Thou did give them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. When you came down, the people waited for you. And when you came down, you gave them truth. You gave them substance. In fact, the Ten Commandments on which Western culture was built. That's what God gave them at Sinai. But God also manifested his glory there. And he came down. In a thick cloud, in thunder and lightning, we'll read about later. When God gives Isaiah a picture, a vision of the temple, the angels are crying out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then Isaiah says, The foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Whenever there's a theophany, whenever God appears, there's lightning and thunder and fire and the earthquakes. It's almost as if the earth begins to tremble at the coming of its creator because it knows better than a lot of people know. Because right now we have worshiped the creature rather than the creator and thinking that we've become wise, we've actually become fools. And much of what is touted as science today is just utter foolishness. And so God comes down to his people. Mark 9, 7, when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says a cloud formed overshadowing them. Peter, James, and John were there. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Psalm 104, 1 through 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with splendor and majesty, covering thyself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. 
He, God, lays beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. When the writers of scripture want to paint a picture of who God is, they begin to, to take some of the manifestations of nature and some of the more radical things that we see in the world. They say, this is what God rides upon. The clouds become his chariot. The lightning bolts become a manifestation of who he is. Revelation 10.1 says, I, know, I saw another strong angel. Some people believe Jesus coming down out of heaven. Revelation 10.1, clothed with a cloud. And the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. The people could only come so close because God's holiness is on display at Sinai. And God says, I'm coming down. And I want you to know this, brethren, that God is coming again in fire and great glory in the person of Jesus Christ. All judgment has been given to the Son, John chapter 5. And Jesus said, I am coming again. You could take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Jesus is coming in the power and manifestations that we're going to see on Mount Mount Sinai. And so the Lord... Exodus 19.10 said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. Now you might say, well, what do you do to prepare for the arrival of God? (laughs) Well, one thing that you do is that they're told to believe in Moses as the mediator. Second thing is they are to go from belief to consecration. The word consecrate there in verse 10 of Exodus 19 is kadash in Hebrew, related to the word kadosh. And it means to make holy, which means to make acceptable to God, or it means that you belong to God. To be set apart is this Hebrew word. The the Greek equivalent is hagios in the New Testament. And that's the word for a saint. And we as Christians are saints. We're holy and beloved of God, not because we're particularly holy, but because we are in Christ and we're cloaked in the holiness of Jesus Christ. That's how God now sees us. He sees us through the finished work of his son. And God says, I want you, Moses, to consecrate the people. Now, how would Moses do this? Well, reading between the lines, probably through an animal sacrifice. And the word kadosh there, set them apart, sanctify them. Today and tomorrow, let them wash their garments. Get ready. Let them put on their Sabbath best. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. And so the people were to get ready. Moses probably offered a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And they were literally to be kadosh. They were to be set apart. Here's the interesting thing. In the Hebrew picture language, kadosh means that which comes or that which follows the threshing. You say, what does that mean? Well, in the ancient world and still today, they would separate the wheat from the chaff in a process called the threshing or the threshing floor. And the temple in Jerusalem, David purchased from Ornan the Jebusite, was actually a threshing floor. The temple was built on a threshing floor, and the temple is all about holiness. It's all about how you approach God and how holy he is. And the way that we become holy practically is by separating the wheat in our lives from the chaff. The chaff needs to be burned up. Amen? That's practical holiness. Holiness is what follows the threshing. It's getting the chaff out of your life, So the wheat can come up and things can grow and you can be blessed. 
You've been listening to Our God is a Consuming Fire, Part 4 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 19. If you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station. Same if you're listening to podcasts, you can click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll be the same to someone else you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, thank you for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, if you're new to us, you can find out more about the ministry when you go to walkintruth.com. We're a Bible teaching uh, church in the city of Corona who got on the air in 2008. The Lord's grown the ministry and all we can say is we're so grateful and I'd encourage you to be praying for us. Tell a friend. If you want to know more, you can go to walkintruth.com or always call during normal business hours. If you need prayer, you need someone to talk to, 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 19 called Our God is a Consuming Fire. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 